The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Gotham City Gazette, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series, Poppy Chulo Radio, celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Monday, May 3rd, 2021, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CW's Batwoman. Please welcome my co-hosts, Professor X. Hello, everyone. And Millie Wood. Hello, Gotham. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 2. Two, episode 12, which was titled Initiate Self-Destruct and aired May 2nd, 2021. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Ryan is faced with a difficult decision that could expose her as Batwoman, creating a rift in the Bat-Team. Meanwhile, Black Mask's plans for Kate Kane begin to unfold. Alice is reunited with someone from her past, and Sophie must decide where her loyalty lies. Bum, bum, bum. Let's check in on the ratings for Season 2, Episode 12. Now airing an hour later on The CW, Batwoman was viewed by 381k total viewers with a point one in the demo. It pains me to say this, but it hit and tied series lows. Dun, dun, dun. It is renewed, though, for a third season, I must say. And uh, Batwoman was the lead-in show on Sundays, you know, ever since it premiered. Now it's it, it's, it has a lead-in, and its lead-in is, is a show that does not do as well in the ratings, even though it is beloved by all of us here. What can you do? All right, let's dive into this episode. Uh, a lot actually happened in episode 12, Initiate Self-Destruct. Um, I, I guess let's start off with the reintroduction of Kate Kane. Uh, do, do we remember Kate? You know, played by uh, a certain someone that maybe wasn't necessarily as happy about being up in Canada. Unlike the professor who's thrilled to be up in Canada. Uh, maybe she wasn't as thrilled, and so she left, and now she has a new face and a new mask, apparently. Um, we got a teeny tiny taste of Wallace Day's iteration of Kate Kane for like about five seconds before Enigma wiped her memory and uh, turned her into, or hypnotized her to become uh, the Cyanus daughter, uh, Cersei. Professor, 
let's talk about this. Uh, what did you think of, uh, of, well, I don't want to say what did you think of Wallace Day as Kate Kane, because we really didn't get Kate Kane. We got Wallace Day playing Kate Kane, playing Cersei. But uh, what did you think of uh, just the twist? Well, I don't know if you would call it a twist, but what did you think of just the introduction of this new iteration of Kate at the start of the episode? Well, the only significant thing I took from it was that, you know, Sionis, we'd, we'd speculated why was he kidnapping Kate Kane? Was it because she was Kate Kane? Was it because they knew she was Batwoman? Uh, it seems that's not the case. It seems that, you know, Sionis just wants him, wants her to uh, to replicate his lost daughter. What I thought was interesting was that uh, Sionis said that his daughter uh, had been in Arkham, which suggests that she was cray-cray uh, prior to this. So I think we're going to get uh, you know some some revelation about that. Uh, the only thing I got from uh, from our new Kate Kane is that you know in addition to you know being horribly scarred and wearing a mask, she apparently gained about a foot of height. Well, you know that does tend to happen when you get tortured, right? Uh, yeah, apparently yes. Yeah, uh, I think the little bit of information that we got about Arkham in the way that it's going to fit in the timeline, and this is what I hope. Remember during Elseworlds, we had heard about a prison break in Arkham? Maybe she died during the prison break, and maybe that's why Sionis blames Batwoman for it. Maybe. Or it could just be someone that Batwoman put in Arkham, and then she died while she was in Arkham, and he's blaming her for that. Well, there you go. All right. I... Don't dislike that idea either. Yes. Okay. Uh, Millie, your thoughts on uh, Cersei Sionis? I'm curious how crazy she is if she was an Arkham. <laughs> oh, the real one? A bit yeah. When they said that, I'm like, hmm, okay. So she's, I mean, Alice is also an Arkham, so they could have been buddies there. Um, so I think that, that that's interesting because I always assumed it was some kind of like super tragic story. I don't know. <laughs> Being an Arkham makes it less tragic, but it was an interesting little twist, I suppose. Very true. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think the the story sort of changes a little bit, and, and you know, I, I'm sort of more so judging Cersei and how she got into her predicament versus oh, it was tragic that she died. Now you know, may, well, not that she had it coming, but you know, at, at least she isn't an innocent. Maybe, potentially. I guess who's really innocent when your father is wearing a black mask and is leading a gang and. You know, clearly committing multiple crimes in Gotham. What can you do? You know, the apple doesn't far from the tr- far from the tree. I think. Um, okay, so uh, let's talk about Alice and Ocean. So uh, we we still get sexy times on the CW, even in a COVID world. Of uh, Alice, clearly. Had a little rendezvous with Ocean. She tries to uh, to sneak out. <laughs> you know, I guess that's what you do uh, when you don't want to seem like you're catching the feels. But she gets stopped by the False Face Society, who uh, you know tases her. They kidnap Ocean because we all know Angelique does not know how to make snake bites. Millie. So this was a recurring storyline or a recurring idea uh, throughout this episode. The concept of uh, Alice and Ocean. Uh, later on, she gets into a conversation with Batwoman about Ocean. And Batwoman's like, oh, you love him. 
you like him. Alice has feelings for somebody other than herself. Uh, what did you think of this plot point, this thread that kept on appearing throughout the episode? And uh, we, we have uh, Alice trying her best not to admit that she's caught the feels for Ocean. I mean, if we're going to, like, go down giving Alice a love interest route, I feel like this is... I like the way they explored it, because it, it is very Alice-like to immediately be like, no, 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 I don't catch feelings, what are those? Um, and for everyone to kind of poke through it. Uh, I think it moves out to the, does Alice need a love interest question uh, that I always grapple with. But, I mean, the guy that plays Ocean is good-looking, so I, I don't have any complaints, I guess, in that route. And I do like the chemistry that... Uh, Rachel has with him so I like the thread I hope it doesn't kind of become too much of like this is what her character revolves around um and this is more of a stepping stone to just her learning how to cope and be like an emotionally normal human um and it's a a stepping stone rather than just like she's just gonna become crazy about him but I do like that and we get a different side of Alice than we have before it's very true yes uh professor A plot point that was introduced a couple episodes ago is the fact that uh, Jacob uh, was taken by Falseface and he was injected with Snakebite. We haven't really seen as much of Jacob uh, since he's been doing the Snakebite. Like, we know that he's still been doing it. And in in this episode, we got a greater taste of his thirst for snake bite he had another outburst with uh, sophie in this episode which um you know it really shook her and took her by surprise um with her storyline something that i was praying i was hoping she was going to end up fighting the snake bite and she does and she goes to mary to uh basically tell her your dad has been using like this was a snake bite. I found it in his office. You know, he was acting weird. He yelled at me and this, that, or the other. Mary kind of brushed it off as, well, that sounds like Jacob. But she's like, no, I think he's on snake bite. I will also say that Mary, she ends up, um, you know, taking Jacob away so that Sophie can do something uh, in his office uh, while he's gone. And uh, when she shows him her sort of revamped clinic that is on the up and up, and I'm saying up and up with air quotes, um, he doesn't really balk at what she's doing. He is a little bit more supportive than Jacob probably would have, maybe. And he's also sweating profusely, which she notices, but she doesn't really pick up on um, the oddities in his behavior. Do you think, Professor, that this this um, storyline is going to be wrapped up a little sooner rather than later? Do you think uh, Mary's going to bite with what um, the information that Sophie provided her? Or do you think she still sort of questions if uh, Sophie's uh, assessment of the situation is factual? Uh, I think, you know, Mary would almost have to. I mean, even if she doesn't think it's true, I think, you know, um, you know, she's an intelligent enough person to to want to look into it and to recognize the symptoms, you know, the fact that her father was behaving, uh, you know, uh, out of character. Um, so I think, yeah, and, and I kind of hope that they do wrap it up soon. I, I don't think we're getting much out of the whole, you know, Jacob on snakebite thing. Um 
you know, yeah, yeah, he's hooked, but he's not, a, you know, honestly, you know, compared to, you know, the, the Batwoman core, he's not a character we care that much about. And they don't seem to be doing much aside from, you know, showing, you know, occasionally, you know, what he's been experiencing while he's on Snakebite. So uh, I, I do kind of hope they wrap this up sooner rather than later. I, I don't think they're getting much uh, dramatic uh, mileage out of it. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I was hoping, I mean, not that I want him to, not that I want to see him like strung out and that sort of thing, but you would think if they are going to have him on this powerful, highly addictive, hallucinogenic, that he would have been like acting out more at work. He would become sloppy. You know, this would be the type of storyline where maybe Jacob's, uh, you know, status of power in the Crows would be in jeopardy because, you know, he's slipping so badly. But they didn't go that route, which is kind of strange. It's almost like he's hooked, but it's it's like a D-E-F-Z storyline. It's not at the forefront. And outside of the fact that he's yelled at Sophie a couple times... I mean, as as Mary said, that really isn't that out of character for Jacob. He's gruff. He yells. Uh, you know, he's passionate about being, you know, Papa Crow. And outside of that, he hasn't really been acting out of the ordinary, which I think is a wasted opportunity. Right, Professor? Yeah, I think it, it is interesting. Like, you, you wonder whether this was, you know, an oversight or whether they're trying to say something greater about, you know, some people who can handle you know, uh, addiction and stuff like that. But I, I don't get the feeling that's the case. I think that it's just that, you know, if they made him as strung out as he should be, if he's on this, you know, horribly addictive psychotropic, then he should be unable to function. But, you know, in order for him to still be playing a role on the show, he has to be able to function. So I, I kind of think that they're they're trying to have it both ways. Yeah, this could have been a moment where they could have tried to make us sympathize with Jacob um, had they really gone full bore with this storyline where they just, you know, have him strung out, you know, f- uh, fantasizing about the past of saving, uh, you know, uh, Beth and, and Kate and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, maybe even um, Mary's mom and that sort of thing. You know, we could see him as trying to be the protector, you know, because he unfortunately couldn't protect you know all these people around him but they didn't go that route it's it's a bit of a shame um, and i do feel like this storyline is uh is wrapping up at least i would hope uh, hopefully mary isn't too busy in the next episode where she could be like hey dad are you okay we'll see uh okay so in this episode we get sophie putting more and more of the pieces of the puzzle together of the bat puzzle so we ended the previous episode with sophie recognizing the voice recognizing that it's ryan as batwoman we see her you know looking at pictures putting two and two together and that whole thing Uh, remember there was the blood at the crime scene so they're gonna test the dna and if um you know if batwoman had ever been in any sort of uh criminal uh, activity and that sort of thing. Had she ever been arrested before, they would have her DNA on the file. So uh, they would, they will be able to ID Batwoman. And so that's like the whole thing that's going on with the crows. Uh, the asshole crow that's in charge um, basically, you know, told um, Sophie, you know, are you sure you don't want to tell us? You knew who the other one was and that sort of thing. Um, later on in the episode uh, when, well, when, 
they end up uh the bat team ends up finding out that uh all this is going down at crow's headquarters we do have mary show up with a usb drive that uh, sophie can use to um kind of scramble the uh the identification process and sophie clearly you know, puts two and two together and realizes, oh, you're a part of the Bat Team. And Mary, as much as she's tried to, she's trying, like she tries her hardest to hide it. She, in essence, uh, confirms all of Sophie's suspicions. Millie, let's talk about this. Sophie, you know, putting the puzzles together, you know, that puzzle, you know, makes an image of the Bat. Uh, She is figuring out who the Bat Team is, Uh, uh, what would you think of that scene? What would you think of Mary at the Crow's headquarters with Sophie? And I think the big question is, before the end of the season, is Sophie officially going to be a member of Team Bat? I feel like she's an unofficial member at the moment, but do you think officially she will be a member of uh, the Bat team by the end of the season? For sure. Um, if if not, she's like fully part of the bat team and she's no longer a crow. I could be pointing out that way, like she leaves the crows to be like 100% bat team or she becomes their insider, which I feel would be a lot more beneficial to team bat, you know, this episode being a prime example why. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised that they definitely officially loop her in when it comes out, like what she did to um, help out the team this episode. Um she is still kind of holding her cards close that she knows and I think especially to gain uh, trust with Ryan I think that would be the huge step and this would be kind of a peace offering when it does get offered um, in terms of, of Mary so great to have her back she was missed with all the car chases yes last last episode um, and I love it because she's I don't know if like Mary just like assumed Sophie knows or she's just very nonchalant but I just love how she's like yeah this is just like a gift um, and it's just kind of that dynamic of uh, just Mary being back. I love that. And and then uh, I'm glad Sophie is finally putting the pieces together because it's taken her a while. <laughs> so um, I feel like it won't be too much longer before it comes out that she like fully knows and everyone um, is. Because I feel like she played her hand kind of heavy uh, the way she kept emphasizing uh, the, like the DNA. It's like her, you know, Batwoman's identity will be revealed if, if this and this and this. So I feel like the now it's on the Scooby gang to put the pieces together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's hope the Scoobs can figure it out as well. Uh, just to continue on with this storyline before I get your take on it, uh, Professor. Uh, so, you know, initially she was going to use the jump drive that Luke provided, but uh, if um, she would have gone through with it, it would have just wiped all of the DNA evidence that was being uploaded to to get IDs on on all the samples and that kind of thing, which means that murderers and rapists and drug dealers and that sort of thing, they all would basically get off scot-free on what they've done. So uh, Sophie ends up uh, coming up with a different plan, which is what I, what I hope that they would have done from the beginning, um, I guess, you know, uh, Luke and Mary and, you know, the Bat team, they, they just don't have access to be able to do this. But she, in essence, I think what she did is she just deleted Ryan's criminal record, I think. Um, that's why her, her DNA was not available to get the match. Uh, clearly, the Bat team and Ryan don't know this. Uh, but uh, it looks like that's what Sophie did uh, to make sure that uh, Ryan's identity does not get uh, outed. 
um, she ends up, um, you know, uh, throwing some shade at the smug uh, crow asshole, uh, which was fantastic. Uh, Professor, let's talk about Sophie. Because who would have thought a year ago that we would be talking about Sophie potentially joining the Bat Team and we would all be excited about that. But Professor, the same question for you that I asked Millie. Clearly Sophie will be joining Team Bat in some capacity in an official way before the end of the season, right? And uh, what did you think of Sophie throughout the entire episode and how she was really going, you know, going to Bat for Team Bat and Batwoman? Uh, you know, it, it was good. And, and as you say, you know, uh, a year ago, would we have possibly you know, predicted this? Um, uh, I do think, yes, I, I agree that she has to become a member of Team Bat in some way, uh, simply because she now knows everyone on Team Bat. There's only three people on Team Bat. She knows all three of them and who they are. So, you know, there there's, are no secrets to be kept from Sophie. Um, it's a, a question as to how long she'll keep this to herself, obviously, because this is, you know, a TV show. She'll, you know, string it out for a while. Um, but I, I agree, you know, with the idea that it makes more sense for her to remain with the Crows, to be their inside person, sort of their Commissioner Gordon, uh, if you will. Um, and we might have gotten a little, uh, you know, reference to that when she, you know, lit the bat signal uh, to, uh, to, uh, to call to uh, Batwoman uh, in this episode. But yeah, I think she's definitely going to be, you know, if not someone down there in the, in the bowels of, uh, of the Batcave, uh, you know, someone uh, who can, you know, be an assist to them, you know, at the Crows. And, you know, you know, with Jacob, you know, strung out on drugs, you know, could they be setting up a situation where he's going to have to leave, you know, whether taking a leave of absence or perhaps leaving the job entirely? And in which case, wouldn't his, you know, uh, his number two be the person who could succeed him in sort of that commissioner of police role? So you might be setting up a situation where she is paralleling, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, Commissioner Gordon from the the Batman comics. The difference being, of course, that you know Commissioner Gordon never knew who Batman was. It's a little interesting that you know she's she's not giving that away. My main problem, and and honestly, you know, I love the fact that you know Mary was back. They used Mary a lot. Uh, I wasn't crazy about using her to deliver the flash drive, um, uh, but then the reveal that oh yeah, because I'm actually here to get my dad out of the office, which made perfect sense. But my problem with it is that they set this whole thing with the flash drive and da da da, and then it doesn't work. So basically, this whole plot was just to kill time to have Sophie do the things she could have done in the first place. So that felt a little cheap to me, but uh, you know, it, it you know it, it was okay, I guess. Okay. Well, it wasn't that it didn't work. It, it just it would have it would have been bad to have used it. Um, but I understand what you mean. Uh, what what will be interesting is if. Because we haven't seen it with the storyline. If they do give us a little bit more of Jacob being strung out before, you know, Mary talks to him, or even if she talks to him and he denies it, and so we have, you know, maybe another episode or two of Jacob on Snakebite, maybe we'll get what we were discussing before, Professor, where we do see him strung out, it affecting his work, and then he has to go away to rehab, and then that would lead into your storyline with Sophie being, you know, Mama Crow as Papa Crow goes to rehab. That might be kind of interesting because then she would have all the power for at least, you know, well, yes, an arc. And certainly the ability to change their attitude towards working with Vigilante. Mm hmm. Very true. Very true. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see if that's what ends up happening. 
Okay, so let's talk about Batwoman and Alice teaming up. So Batwoman is is searching for Angelique, trying to find any information she can get about Angelique through any of the False Face Society gang members. Alice is uh, looking for Ocean, and she's basically doing the same thing, except in a bit more of a jigsaw kind of way. You know, the, the, the ways that Jigsaw would approve. Professor, talk to me about Batwoman and Alice's dynamic, because we had them team up in this episode, it, I mean, it wasn't necessarily a team-up that maybe Batwoman would have liked, but it was Alice and Batwoman together in the Batmobile, teamed up, talking about life. Uh, I mean, was it everything you could have hoped for with Ryan Wilder as Batwoman chatting with Alice? Oh, it was, it was an absolute delight because Ryan is sort of playing a, a minimalist uh, Batwoman, even when she's, you know, commenting on... Uh, Alice's social life and stuff like that, whereas Alice is completely over the top, punching buttons, uh, both literally and figuratively, you know, trying to, to you know, punch buttons with uh, with Ryan, uh, whereas it turns out that Ryan is pretty good at punching Alice's buttons as well. Um, but yeah, no, the, the two of them were just delightful, uh, both the scene in the car, you know, when Alice, you know, honks the horn to uh, to do the distraction. Um, uh, and, and then the somewhat surprising. Uh, you know, resolution of that, which uh, I don't want to get it too ahead of ourselves, uh, where, um, you know, uh, Alice, you know, comes into the uh, the fight, uh, helping out uh, Ryan. Yes, 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 yes. We're going to get into that in, in a moment. Uh, Millie, I want to get your take on it as well. Did you have any favorite moments with uh, Batwoman and Alice? Yes. Is this actually an ejector seat? <laughs> in the way that Alice wants to find out, I thought was like the the highlight of that whole it was it was great as echoing the professor their banner they got a sneak peek of it before but it's great they play off each other so wonderful and it's uh definitely enemies but they have these quips and and ryan can hold herself against alice and i feel like uh it's nice i think it's why we like alice with julia because she can hold those quips too so it's nice to see somebody that we see more often on screen that um can do that and it provides comedic in a in a kind of tense situation so i love that Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the lines that I liked, which you said something to the gist of, you're fun and mean. <laughs> I was like, Alice can just deliver any line and it just sounds fantastic. Um, yes, uh, they were phenomenal together. Uh, I do like that uh, Ryan kept on mentioning her mother because, I mean, that's it's important to to remind us as viewers that Batwoman, this Batwoman is not down with Alice in that sort of way, and, and this Batwoman's relationship with Alice is not at all the same as the previous Batwoman. And uh, I, I did like um, their sort of serious conversation about, you know, Batwoman 1.0 wanting to save uh, Alice, and, and now she's dead and, and this, that, or the other. I, I thought that was a really important moment for both of them together to have that conversation. Clearly it, it influenced what happens later on. Um, but I thought that was interesting. And I think the other interesting bit of dialogue that was included in their conversation was that Alice fancies herself an anti-hero, 
which I think we all, you know, uh, subscribe to the idea that the villain, a, a villain, whatever villain, in their own story, they do see themselves as the hero. But she specifically called herself an anti-hero, which I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Because I do feel like the writers are hopefully going to head in that direction with Alice. I don't necessarily feel like she's an anti-hero right now. But I thought it was kind of interesting that she found herself to be an anti-hero. Whether she was just saying it just to say it. Uh, I do feel like Alice is deliberate with her words. Um, so I, I think it means something, right? Uh, yeah, I think uh, obviously, you know, Alice doesn't see herself as the villain. But I think part of her realization, you know, part of her arc this season has been her realizing that, you know, she's been doing some some bad stuff for bad reasons. I think, you know, the the difference that we're seeing her, you know, in this season, um, perhaps, and, you know, honestly, maybe this is just a realization on the part of the writers that, you know, Rachel Scarson is just so damned enjoyable that, you know, we can't have her be the bad guy. Um, you know, it might be that they cast her and didn't realize, you know, what a gem they had. But I think, you know, what we're seeing her doing now is that, you know, uh, all of the people that she, she's, you know, almost a Punisher type character in that all the people that she's hurting are people who deserve to be hurt rather than in previous seasons uh, where she was just hurting people indiscriminately. Very interesting point. Okay, so moving along with this storyline. So they are at a false face um, secret lair type of thing at, at the docks. Uh, they have Ocean and Angelique there and a uh, false face society gang member uh, parading around as, I guess, Alfred Hitchcock is filming them uh, creating snake bites so that both of them can die and they'll have the secret recipe um, and that sort of thing. Uh, what was it? The, the herbs and spices, the, the KFC gag that Alice said early in the episode was hilarious. Um, so initially it seemed as if Batwoman and Alice were going to team up to take down the false face society gang members that are there. They, you know, create a distraction, they steal comms, and they, you know, send them on a wild goose chase. But uh, Batwoman ends up going in alone. She handcuffs Alice and leaves her behind. Um, Alice has an interesting interaction with Cersei. Just stick a pin in that. Batwoman ends up saving Angelique and uh, Ocean. Uh, she tells Angelique that uh, Ryan, you know, was looking out for her. Ocean does get shot, but he sort of stumbles away with Angelique to safety, we're assuming. While that is happening, Cersei ends up getting into a fight with uh, Batwoman. Uh, we see Kate Kane's military training in full effect. And it looks like Batwoman is about to be taken down. But Alice does show up and uh, saves uh, Batwoman in a moment. Uh, but, but she ends up getting knocked down as well by Cersei. And uh, Batwoman ends up leaving Alice there with Cersei. You know, she's getting like choked out. And uh, Alice is begging for help. Um, you, you know... Batwoman is ready to leave, 
But Alice is like, you know, I, I do remember your mom, Cora. You know, I remember what she was wearing. I, I just said that just to say it. That you know, I said that I didn't remember just to say it. But I do remember. Can you please help me? And uh, Batwoman sort of echoes a line from earlier, you know, that, that um, Alice had said, you know, sometimes you can't save everybody. And she leaves her there. Now, I will say, we're going to get into Cersei. I, I, I do want to talk about Cersei separately because I feel like she was incredibly fascinating and, and I have a question about her. But let's focus on Alice and Batwoman. When I watched the episode, there was a part of me that had a problem with Batwoman leaving her. But then I remembered even Kate Kane as Batwoman has left Alice when she's like near death. So I guess, you know, it isn't something that Kate hasn't done in the past. So that kind of let me be okay with it. Um, but yeah, there there is still a part of me, even now as I'm talking about it, that is slightly disappointed that Ryan left Alice, you know, to basically die. Uh, what did we think of this? This was a, a, a very dark moment in, in the series because it looked like Alice was getting choked the frack out by Cersei. Millie? I think I'm with you in the terms of, like, at first I was like, oh, no, I, I wanted Ryan to be bigger and, and, and save Alice. It's because Alice did save her. And, you know, they have fun chemistry. That's definitely what I should be saying. But I think it makes sense when I thought about it because Ryan's issue with, with Alice still hasn't been resolved just because Alice says that she remembers her mom. She still killed her. And that's kind of been Ryan's driving force ever since that happened. Um, and I think that's what she has struggled with since she's been Batwoman is, is getting over that and realizing you can't have revenge and she's made strides, but it also makes sense that when you're faced with this opportunity for the person that was responsible for your mom's death to leave him to die that part comes out because you can't shake that. It's been your core and been your driving force for so long. It is hard to shake that even though you've become a hero. Uh, so I kind of see that in, in her terms, uh, in Ryan's terms as well. It's like She still has growth to do. Um, and she's not going to be completely different in like 11 episodes. So it was disappointing, but I think that it was an important point for her um, there. And I also think if it, it will be interesting in terms of will this change Alice and, and Batwoman's dynamic and uh, – in the future, because now Alice has a reason to be angry at Batwoman, be like, you left me to die, and I'm going to go crazy on you, um, rather than, like, because before she didn't really have any kind of connection, um, even though, like, Ryan had a connection with her, it didn't have any other way, so I wonder if that's going to, we get to see more crazy Alice uh, with regards to Batwoman moving forward. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point, Millie. Um, th th yeah, that is factually accurate. Like, we can't really expect Ryan to maybe want to save her when she still has that issue. And it was at the forefront in this episode. So uh, th that was a really good point. Professor, do you echo that? Did you, were you at all disappointed by Ryan leaving Alice behind? Did you feel like it was appropriate for the character? Were you hopeful that she would have uh, helped Alice? Or did you think it was, you know, right for the story to have um, Ryan as Batwoman leave Alice to fend for herself with Cersei. Yeah, I think this is a classic example of things being done for story purposes rather than character purposes. Um, I think, you know, Ryan should have saved Alice and also Ryan shouldn't have allowed the psychotic knife wielding mask wearing maniac 
to go free. Um, that's that's totally not Batwoman behavior. You've got this psychopath wandering around, you know, with knives. You know, you don't just walk away because she's choking Alice out. That that's stupid. You know, you don't leave people like that wandering the streets. Um, yeah, but you know, from a story point of view, they wanted to have a situation where Alice would be captured by uh, Black Mask, and you know, would you know presumably, you know, uh, end up in close proximity to Circe and figure out who Circe actually is or whatever. Um, so I think it was a classic example of doing things for story purposes rather than character purposes. Um, I think the development that we've seen of, uh, of, of Ryan's character is that she accepts that, you know, Batwoman doesn't kill. And honestly, when you're standing there and someone is being choked out in front of you, walking away is the same as killing her. So for me, it was something they did because they wanted Alice to end up in a location rather than because it was important for Ryan's character. I was thinking about that as well as I watched the episode. Uh, I was like, okay, they probably wanted Alice captured and uh, that was a way to get her captured. So that does, that explanation makes sense. It was a little disappointing uh, though, um, as far as just, Ryan goes. So uh, hopefully the writers figure out a way to make up for that, um, even though this little wrinkle happened in this episode. So, Cersei. All right. I asked both of you about your first impressions of Cersei when we saw her at the start of the episode. Now at this point in the episode, we've seen her in action. So clearly Cersei does not remember who she is, but she does have all that training. What did we think of her? I don't know if that was Wallace Day. I would assume that it was a stunt person fighting. But what did we think of, of Cersei as an antagonist? Cersei as uh, this strange figure behind the mask. And uh, Cersei as almost like a brawler with those two knives. Uh, really giving it's to to ryan uh like giving it to her completely I, I was like good grief she's gonna kill ryan as batwoman what the hell professor uh it was a really great fight scene um you know it, it really looked good it, it was a little weird though because you know if we're meant to assume that you know a kate kane even though she's had her entire you know, personality and her memories wiped out. She still has her fighting skills, but would her fighting skills have included, you know, fighting with those two weird ass knives, or is that something that was implanted in her by Enigma? And if so, were all of her fighting skills implanted in her? I, I think that's a bit unclear. Um, yeah, certainly, you know, it's it's a creepy look. You know, the the mask. Um, uh, it, it is interesting. I'm I'm a little bothered that you know she was able to handle not only Batwoman but Batwoman and Alice. So effectively, because Alice has shown herself to be a pretty good fighter, and Batwoman has shown herself to be a pretty good fighter. So you know, for absolutely no reason, seriously was able to just walk in and and mop the floor with both of them, which makes her a little you know weirdly you know, uh, I don't want to say overly powerful, but, you know, weirdly more proficient than them, which strikes me as odd. I think this is one of those things where, you know, someone's fighting ability will go up and down depending on what is necessary for the story in any given week. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm curious to find out more about, you know, uh, you know, the origin of her powers, why she's fighting with the knives, et cetera. But uh, aside from it being a, a good fight scene, yeah, it just it left me a little wondering exactly, you know, what was going on with her. Okay. Millie? What about you, your take on Cersei? Did you find her OP? Um, I, I agree. Like, if you really get into the details, you probably don't want to get into the details because there's a lot of questions, and maybe that was by nature. It was a really great, like, 
choreographer Eid, whatever the word is, uh, sequence that we haven't seen in a bit. So I do enjoy that. Like she does bring that kind of element, bringing back Kate Kane. But I do wonder how much, like, how much is it, is it, Cersei, how much is it Kate Kane? How does this whole enigma work? Maybe it's just depending on, you know, storyline of the week. Um, I hope that's not the, the fact where it kind of becomes like, like a crutch. Uh, but overall, I enjoyed the fight scene. Um, everything else was questionable, I guess. So throughout the episode, uh, we had a lot of, uh, you know, we had just Ryan talking about Angelique and, uh, you know, wanting to save Angelique, and Angelique, Angelique, Angelique. And by the end of the episode, we see Angelique is fine. She escaped. Uh, We're assuming Ocean is fine somewhere as well. And uh, she goes to Ryan, and she's like, you know, you don't have to apologize or anything. This wasn't your fault. You know, things happen, but I went to the feds, and I gave them all this information, and this is out of the other, and now I have to go to witness protection. And I want you to come with me, and let's start our lives over. We can leave this shithole called Gotham that chewed us up and spit us out and whatever, whatever, and it could just be you and me, baby. And Ryan's like, but this is my home. And I'm building something here in the community center. And I'm Batwoman. And I can't really leave. <laughs> she doesn't really say that. But she's basically saying that. And uh, and Angelique is like, you know, I understand. You know, I'm whatever, whatever. I guess this is it. I gotta go into witness protection before Black Mask finds me. Bye-bye. So, the professor had mentioned that either Angelique has to die or she has to leave, and she left. Uh, I don't know if either of you were a little worried that Ryan was gonna say something about Batwoman. I kinda was. I was also a little worried that Angelique was gonna put two and two together and was gonna, like, whisper to her, I know you're a bad woman, that's why you're staying. That didn't happen. So it looks like Angelique is gone. And uh, that's it. I I know Millie's excited because Millie said that she's bad news. Um, I believe the professor had quoted a Taylor Swift song when uh, we saw Angelique. So maybe he's excited that she's gone as well. Um, Yeah, we'll start off with Millie. Angelique is gone. She did the right thing, though, before she left. She testified or whatever the hell she did. I guess I'm excited she's gone. I The person that loves drama inside me was sad. I, I felt like her, her whole surrounding ended on a fizzle, and I was very sad. I was expecting, like, a dramatic like, double twist or some kind of ends in her death that is the catalyst for Ryan's revenge. I don't know. Um, It just felt a little bit anticlimactic, and I, I don't know if it was just because – it ate, she served her purpose, and so they can just ship her off, or they plan on coming back. But, um, I mean, I'm happy she's gone um, at the end of the day, and I, hopefully this means that Ryan can move on, and we can, you know, if we've got to give her a love interest, she can find one, and not one, shra- like, surrounded with, like, a bunch of baggage and things like that. Okay. I do like that idea. Professor, you said that Angelique had to leave, and she heard you loud and clear, and she's leaving. Are you happy? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, again, nothing against the actress playing Angelique or anything like that, but, you know, they sort of introduced her as a tie to Ryan's past, as Ryan's kryptonite, if you will, as opposed to the real kryptonite that was poisoner earlier in the season. Um, but I, I really kind of liked how they, they did the resolution, um, you know, with, uh, with her saying, you know, let's go off to witness relocation, we can be together. And, you know, at the beginning of the season, Ryan probably would have gone, yeah, let's do that. But, you know, part of Ryan's growth uh, in her character is that she now believes in something larger than herself, uh, larger than her relationship. You know, she believes in Gotham. She believes in what she's doing in Gotham. She believes in, in what she's doing as Batwoman. And I think the fact that she was able to face the thing that she would have wanted more than probably anything, you know, a few months ago and say, no, I, I have to stay here. I have something to do, uh, shows how much she's changed. I also like the fact that Angelique accepted that, you know, there, it wasn't, you know, a, a tearful, no, you bitch. And, you know, uh, you know, a cat fight or setting up a, a typical CW kind of uh, ending. It felt very mature, very grown up, very responsible uh, with uh, with Angelique just sort of realizing, well, I guess she can't come with me. And, you know, there's going to be consequences. You know, she Angelique's not going to get the happy ending of, of going off the girl of her dreams. Uh, and neither is Ryan necessarily, unless Ryan has, you know, someone else that could be a uh, a girl of her dreams. Crophy. Um, but uh, it, it'll be interesting oh. to see, you know, uh, I don't think we'll see Angelique come back. I, I don't think it's necessary. I think she served her purpose from a character point of view, which was, you know, being the tie back to to Ryan's past but I think we are we've moved past that you know in terms of the show and uh and and getting rid of her you know it, you know put in in somewhat you know, terrible terms um is is the right thing to do I, I don't think that it's necessary to have her anymore the professor just said something interesting not that he does I just coughed I coughed I, I know I don't know if you said said anything I coughed but here's the thing that I do want to ask now because all right at the start of the season, I think we all were going to vomit, probably projectile vomit, at the idea of Sophie falling for Batwoman. And that was because we didn't really care for Sophie at the time. We had the residual memories of season one. But now that we like Sophie, is that chip back on the table? That poker chip? called Crophy Batwoman ship the ship chip the ship chip do we do we like this idea now Millie I'm a negative on that I think I will <laughs> stay on the anti anti Sophie in, in that regards and I think for me it's more I don't know I feel like just because she was tied to Kate Kane's story um I would want kind of just that separation um, and not for Batwoman to be like with Sophie and for Sophie just like have a type that's Batwoman. Um, it just feels like too much of an echo. And I think it would be better if, if they're just really good best friends. Okay. Professor? Yeah, I agree. I, I, I you know, and, and, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily be against it as much as I would have uh, last season simply because, you know, Sophie's been so much better this season. But honestly, I think it's it's because, you know, she has better chemistry with Ryan. She has better chemistry with, with the other characters. And honestly, that's because of the, the big change, right? You know, bringing Ryan mm -hmm. in, I think, has totally revitalized the show. Um, uh, and also, I, I you know, I, I wouldn't want Sophie to end up in a relationship with uh uh, with with Batwoman because you know it, it would you know sort of seem like she has a type that she's a you know a costume 
uh, fetishist or something like that. Um, uh, I think, and also, you know, like Sophie has become a better developed character. I think part of the problem with Sophie last season is that she was just there to be the, the pining love interest. Um, you know, she's become a better developed character, uh, this season, you know, we, we understand her. She's, she's doing more. She has more agency. I fear that if they just put her into the, uh, you know, the girlfriend role, then she would lose some of that. She doesn't necessarily have to. She could totally be a a a a tough as nails, badass head of the crows, and you know be uh, you know dating Batwoman on the side, which would be hilarious when you think about it. Um, but I, I just I don't have that much confidence uh, in the writers, um, so I would prefer that they they don't do that. Even though the two of them together, you know, total chemistry, they they would be an absolutely gorgeous couple. Uh, but you know, they're, you know. Uh, Ryan still has the, uh, you know, that invitation to that, uh, uh, that uh, slightly older professor uh, uh, from a few episodes ago. So that might go somewhere. Wait, no, she wasn't older. The She looked older to me. From the community center? Yeah, from the community center. I would say she was 40s. No! I, w- I thought so. I thought she Millie, was way about, in here. She was about Ryan's age, maybe a couple years older. Oh no, God, no! She was much older. The woman that mm. that was that was taking up her karate class. Uh, the woman that yeah, the one that uh, Sophie's sister set her up with. I was sure she was no, mid forties. Just easily. because she was wearing the glasses does not mean she was older. <laughs> Millie, did you see what I see, or do you, did you see what the professor saw? I'm with you. Uh, she's definitely not forty. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Uh, overruled, Professor. Overruled. Okay. So, well, we'll see what happens. Maybe they'll have like a one night stand, kind of like Sarah Lance and Alex Danvers did, which you we were reminded of that over on uh, Legends. So maybe a one night stand might be kind of fun, just as long as none of them catch the feels. There's already enough people with feels that are being caught. Let's talk about the one who, who has the feels. So Alice did not die. Yay. Uh, but she ends up waking up at the Sionis mansion. And, uh, well, she doesn't know it's the Sionis mansion. She knows it as Black Mask's lair. And initially, Black Mask uh, was going to have Cersei kill Alice, but then he changes his mind, saying that, you know, she, she, he's got, like, plans for her, and what she can do. So I'm just going to ask both of you, I'll just open the door for either of you to jump in. Clearly, the storyline is what the professor said. It's so that Alice recognizes Kate. I was a little worried that they were already going to do that, just because we had Alice looking into Cersei's eyes. Um, and I was like, oh God, please don't tell. Like, don't say the words. You look familiar. Like, I just, I did not want that. And they didn't do it. At least not yet. Which was good. But uh, clearly, this is what this storyline is supposed to set up. Yes? Millie? I'll, I'll, I'll ask you, because the professor was the one that initially stated this. Oh, for sure. That's, there's a reason why it's being isolated. And now that... She's starting to come in touch with her feelings and cope with with Kate's quote unquote death. Um, it definitely makes sense that they'll they'll throw this wrench in it. I mean, I'm with you. I thought they were gonna at one point with like the longing stare that um, 
Cersei was like giving. I was like, oh no, they're gonna they're gonna like ask us to say something. And she had that questioning look when she was all handcuffed. Um, so I wonder if it's gonna be next episode or two episodes. I feel like it should be re- like dragged out a little bit longer. So hopefully they kind of milk it as long as they can. Yeah, I do feel like I would have a questioning look if I was handcuffed to a pole, like at the docks, with like nowhere to go. <laughs> But and the strange person with the weird mask sort of shows up. You know, I'd be like, "Am I a, in the middle of the strangers or something?" Um, I do like that she gave a little line like, "That's a that's a weird mask. Is it made of oak?" <laughs> I was like, "Okay, I guess that's the first thing you would say." Uh, Professor, you are co-signing your theory. Yeah, I think so. All right, sounds good. Was there anything that I missed, a teeny tiny little moment from the episode, a quip or anything that either of you would like to mention before we head into the MVP? Alrighty, let's get into the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again, so choose wisely. Uh, Professor, you may choose first. Who's your MVP and why? You know, there were a few really good performances, but I have got to go to my default, which is Alice. Uh, Just always a delight, Uh, particularly, you know, the the scenes with her and Ryan uh, together. You know, the two of them, you know, they just have such fantastic chemistry. Um, And uh, yeah, uh, Rachel was great, you know, uh, and, and, you know, not just in that, you know, that scene where she wakes up next to Ocean and the the sort of, oh, what's going on here? The the, the slinking out, uh, you know, right to the, the final scene. Uh, where she's, you know, absolutely herself when she's uh, dealing with Sionis. Um Yeah, Alice is, is always delight, and uh, certainly in this episode. She nearly walk-of-shamed herself, um, but fortunately she was stopped by a false face dude and got Well, chased. she didn't wear so, so many layers of vintage clothing. She could have probably been out of there five minutes earlier. I know, right? I was like, she looked normal. And then all of a sudden she put her costume on, and I'm like, she looks like, you know, there's a few screws loose. Uh, but it was amazing. Yes, uh, Millie, your MVP and why? I will have to go with Ryan as my MVP. Uh, I think it had to do with her, her, sorry, her relationship and her repertoire with Alice. It just added a lot of fun to a kind of like jam-packed action uh, episode. And I just, I really loved them in the in the Batmobile. Um, I also love that we're getting a lot more of the Batmobile with Ryan. Um, I'm a sucker for all those car shots, so I, I also give it a thumbs up for the fact that Ryan has Batmobile, so we can see more of that as well. So two birds with one stone kind of combo. Nice. I loved Alice's enthusiasm. Ooh, I get to ride in the Batmobile. Ooh, that was fantastic. Uh, so both of you had excellent choices, and they were very excellent because that means you all allowed me to pick my number one choice, which, once again... I don't remember if I've chosen her yet. I know the professor has been hogging Crophy. Um, so now I can pick her. Uh, Crophy, Sophie, uh, Megan Tandy. Fantastic in this episode. Just brilliant. I, I-, I loved everything Sophie in this episode, which is not something I would have said in season one. Uh, every single moment with Sophie was fantastic. Her and Mary w- was in particular a highlight in this episode. Uh, the Both uh, of their se- scenes together. Um, the scene with her in Jacob's office. Each time that we saw her in Jacob's office was incredibly suspenseful. Megan Tandy played it perfectly. Just fantastic. Uh, I, I really enjoyed Sophie in this episode. And I also want to give props 
to the costuming. I thought everybody looked really good in this episode. Even um, Angelique and Ocean, who kind of were supposed to look kind of grody because they were kidnapped and they're in the docks and stuff, they still looked great. Like, everybody looked fantastic. And uh, and Mary, who we hadn't seen in, in a moment because she wasn't in the previous episode, I thought her look this episode was fantastic. Okay, let's rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 bat signals? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving more than a 10, you may archive the episode in the bat cave, Millie Wood. I think overall it was a very solid episode. Um, it had a lot of action. It definitely moved the plot forward. I think that we're getting to learn about Cersei, um, so that adds a lot of interest and dynamics. But we're going to be picking up pace in terms of the storyline, so I have to give it 8.6 bat wings. We shouldn't have um, have them batarangs. Oh, Alice wanted a batarang. Yes. Uh, okay. So eight point six from uh, Millie, Professor. What about you? You know what? I liked it a lot less than Millie did, so I'm going to give it eight point five. Okay. So picky. Um, I liked it about the same amount that Millie liked it, but I went into this thinking of an 8.5, um, so I'll, I'll stick with my 8.5. Yeah, I, I thought it was a fine episode. It is rewatchable, and a lot of that has to do with uh, the chemistry, as um, as Millie stated, between Batwoman and Alice. They were just magnetic together, and uh, and Sophie was phenomenal, my MVP. All right, so on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of the Gotham City Gazette. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for the Gotham City Gazette and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-host, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with the professor. Good night, Gotham. And Millie Wood. Good night, listeners. If you want to follow along with me, I'm on Twitter as at the Asian Nerd. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of the Gotham City Gazette every Tuesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio archives. Good night.